The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple of things to talk to you about. First, thequantedge.com. I've been doing baseball for them all season long. NFL is kicking up in full force. You'll hear about it on this show with my buddy Mark Wimkin, but a lot of great stuff over there at thequantedge.com. They released four new tools today for the NFL DFS season. Tons of content. The showdown slate for Thursday is already dropped on a Tuesday. Tons of stuff. Tons of great cool tools, optimizers, member Discord. Go check it out at thequantedge.com. Use the promo code Bubba to get the discounts to hook you up over there. And also a new DFS site we're checking out. I'm a big fan of it. Superdraft. It's in your app store under Superdraft. It is an exclusive multiplayer game mode, a brand new way to play DFS. Draft any player you want with no salary restrictions. Each player is given a value that multiplies their points, giving you the ability to maximize your score with the players you want. It's really, really cool. If you want to compare it to DraftKings, the cheaper the player on DraftKings, the more multiplier points you get on, on a super draft. If you want to just play the, the, the expensive guys, less multipliers, tons and tons of fun, tons and tons of overlay right now. Use promo code Bubba when you get signed up. It'll hook you up with all the features you need there. And also, they have a big $125,000 week one NFL contest kicking off $20 entry. Plus, they have free tournaments, all kinds of cool stuff over there at superdraft.com. So go check it out. Use promo code Bubba to get started. All right. Welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 207 with my buddy Mark Wimkin of the Super Bros podcast and TQE talking some week zero fantasy football. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 207 it talks some fantasy football getting ready for week one action which is just days away it's finally here preseason's over cuts have been made crazy trades all are gonna get broken down tonight with my special guest you can find him on twitter at mark wimkin he's got the roto brother roto bros podcast he's a new member with me and the boys over at thequantedge.com mark how we doing man 
I'm doing fantastic, man. It's it's so cool to get welcomed over to the Quan Edge like I have been. Elliot's been super cool to me. Uh, you inviting me onto your show. I mean, this this is pretty surreal for me. I, like I've been trying to get in with TQE since they launched. So let's do it, man. Let's get to work. Yep, let's get going. It's going to be awesome. But before we start, why don't you let everybody know what you're going to be doing at TQE and pump your podcast a little more since I just gave it the brief run through there. Oh, right on, man. So over at uh, the Quan Edge, every Tuesday – during the regular season, I'll be delivering a uh, snaps and targets report. And every Thursday, I'll be delivering an injury impact report. Uh, what I'm going to try and do ideally is use all of our tools that we have. But obviously, the the tools that the articles are based off of are going to drive it. Like the injury, uh, the injury impact tool, I'm going to use heavily in both articles. But obviously, it's going to drive the Thursday article. But uh, you can also find me every week over on uh, the Roto Bros podcast with my partner, Chris McConnell. Um, we don't have a Twitter page, so you can just follow me on Twitter and you can follow him on Twitter at Mind of McConnell. But uh, another place you can find me is uh, over on Facebook, FSA, Fantasy Sports Advice and Analysis. We're a private group with over 13,000 members. And it, it's not just exclusive to fantasy football, fantasy baseball, fantasy basketball, any types of uh, sports analysis you want to talk about or you want to pick people's brain about hop in i'll approve you myself i'm an admin and uh let's talk some sports man awesome awesome everybody go check that out facebook twitter the works great stuff mark is a good dude you're gonna find out in the next hour or so as we break down the recent news trades the works and we'll kick it off the houston texans were quite active this past weekend mark it was a pretty crazy town over there we'll start with the first of the trades they trade for carlos hyde we know lamar miller's out duke johnson they already traded for Everyone's excited about Duke. Now Carlos Hyde's in town. You have Duke, you have Carlos. How do you assess the running back situation in Houston? I honestly think Carlos Hyde to Houston is best case scenario for Duke Johnson. I mean, when Lamar Miller went down, Duke Johnson's ADP, ADP skyrocketed all the way up into the into the fifth and sixth round area in best balls. But what a lot of people don't realize about Duke Johnson is he's 210 pounds. People, people picture Duke Johnson, they get this idea of like Tariq Cohen or Darren Sproles in their head. He was a bell cow in college. He, he was a bell cow at the University of Miami and like he was good. So a, a running back as, as weak as Carlos Hyde coming to, to be the competition for uh, touches and backfield targets for, for Duke Johnson, I do think it's best case scenario. I mean, Carlos Hyde has performed under expectation in each of the last three years, the lone year being 2016. But he, he was he was abysmal in 2018, nearly 40 fantasy points under expectation on just under 200 opportunities. Whereas Duke Johnson, I mean, Duke Johnson can ball. Duke Johnson can absolutely ball. I mean, broke 20 tackles or avoided 20 tackles on just 87 touches last year. He averaged over four yards after contact per attempt. Like, this guy is good. Yep, He's very good. And I do think he can dominate the backfield with or without Carlos Hyde. Yeah, I've been that guy, and I've said it on other shows. Is I am I've been a diehard Duke guy. I, he, I've always drafted him because I pretty much play PPR only. I think you, I think that's the way you need to play. That's just me. There's there's many ways to play, but for me, it's um it's uh it's PPR for me. And Duke's been a guy I always get like as my my fourth back or something because he gets so many when the offense is clicking, he gets so many touches, so many completions, so many pass attempts going his direction. He's a very dominant guy. Now, if you put him in a role where he might get 10, 10 plus handoffs a week, let alone, you know, tosses out of the backfield an explosive Houston Texans offense, I was ecstatic. And I'm with you. 
we knew they were getting another back. That's the part where people made me laugh where they were like, oh, no, they got kind of well, – come on, people. They were going to get another running back. Have you seen their death chart? There was nothing there. They had to. It was better they got Carlos Hyde than LaShawn McCoy. We'll get to McCoy in a bit, but I'm with you 100%. I'm still okay with it. If people panicked over the weekend and he dropped, you got a deal. I know I I drafted last night. I got him as my RB3. I was pumped, really pumped on that. Uh, so I'm a big fan of Duke. I think that explosive offense, um, we'll kind of tie that in here, and we'll go a little deeper on it here. But the, they made a trade also. Lar- uh, Laramie Tunsil, that's fine, really helps the offensive line. Maybe Deshaun Watson can stand up for once. But they also have Kenny Stills. Now, Kenny Stills, to me, kind of affects Kiki Kuti. We'll come back to Duke in a minute. But how do you think Kenny Stills going into the passing game assesses, like, you know, Will Fuller, Kuti, and Kenny Stills? Well, I definitely think it hurts Kiki Kuti. I mean, I, I think the, the acquisition of Kenny Stills, who a lot of people forget, he does have inside slot receiving experience. He has run a, a number of routes out of the slot over the last couple of years in Miami, so... That's where that's where QT ate last year. So I do think this says a bit more about QT's injury than we might know. And even if that's not the case, it it, it adds another body to the rotation. Will Fuller is still probably going to be the Z receiver in two wide receiver sets. So I'm not particularly worried about Will Fuller, but I definitely think it hurts QT. And I, I, I'm not worried about it hurting DeAndre Hopkins at all. He's the alpha in that offense. There's no... There's no other receiver in that offense outside of Nook that could be an alpha, so it doesn't hurt him. It, I, people might disagree, but I don't see it hurting Will Fuller. One thing I will say is I do think Kenny Stills does hurt Duke Johnson just a little bit. I'm more worried about Kenny Stills vacuuming underneath usage that Duke Johnson was initially going to get with Lamar Miller out of the equation. Yeah, and I'm with you there. That's kind of where I was looking like nukes, nuke. Like there's no one's gonna stop nuke. I can't remember who said it. It might have been PCP or someone. It's like they could trade for OBJ. Nuke's still gonna get his. Like that's gonna happen. Um, but like Will Fuller, Stills, Kuti. I'm with you. I think it affects Kiki Kuti the most, and does affect uh, Duke because you you figure Duke Johnson maybe gets some like dump off passes out of the out of the backfield or maybe occasional slot rolls or whatever when Kuti's hurt. But um, if you had to assess it, you pretty much hit it. But, you know, Will Fuller should still be the clear-cut number two. And then, you know, if you had, like, the, the three is kind of a combo of maybe Stills, Kuti, and a little bit of Duke in there, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, Duke Johnson has essentially been an established slot receiver when he's been moved there over up in Cleveland. So I did peg him for a lot of underneath usage that K- uh, Kiki Kuti was eating with last year. So it, it's just another body to the rotation, and it's really going to hurt the guys that are in the – in the back end of that target rotation. It, it, it just doesn't hurt Will Fuller that much, especially with how much Houston uses 12 personnel sets where there's only going to be two wide receivers on the field. Anyway, it, it, it doesn't hurt Will Fuller all that much. Cause I don't think him and stills will be on the field together that much. That's a great point. And that, that's one thing I'm glad you brought up here because most people want to point out the well, it affects this guy, this guy, and this guy. And I couldn't wrap my head like oh, I might be biased. I, I'll admit I'm the crazy one this year that I'm buying in on Will Fuller. I have way too many shares of Will Fuller because I believe in the talent and injuries are injuries. And I know you can put injury prone on guys. You can label them as injury prone. But what Will Fuller can do when he's on the field, there's no hiding that. Deshaun Watson loves to find Will Fuller just as, just slightly less than he likes to find Nuke. That's just been pretty clear in his time out there. So I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. It's the clear cut one, two. And then you got the rest. 
Um, when you look at Miami on this side of the deal, and I'll, I'll let you know because you probably don't know, but everybody else knows, I am a sad, sad Dolphins fan. It's a poor existence. <laughs> it really is. I, I, I'm really happy with what they did over the weekend because I want them to, to burn the whole place down and start over because ever since Nick Saban showed his pretty face and picked Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees, it's been a downward spiral of just disaster and mediocrity. So I'm okay with that. But you take Stills out of the equation, and I was always a Stills, Stills guy. How do you look at this team? Because there's really no protection now. They're, they're starting Fitzmagic over Rosen, which is kind of weird because you should assess Rosen. you got a messy backfield. But like Preston Williams, talented rookie receiver, you still have a couple other guys there. Is there anything fantasy viable for you in Miami, or is it just, you know what, leave them alone? Well, this this is not an easy answer. I'm, I'm going to start. I'm with you, man. I'm, gonna... I'm a fan. <laughs> All right. I, all right. So I have a lot of things to say about uh, about Miami and about the Dolphins. So I think I'm just going to start from the top and we'll work our way down to the re- through like through to the running backs and the receiving core. But you look at Laramie Tunsil. I mean, this team, he, he was their best offensive lineman by far. I mean, yards per attempt is up two yards per pass attempt with uh, Tunsil on the field. Yards per carry is right around the same. Sack rate is two and a half percent higher with Tunsil off the field. Turnover rate doubles. Uh, explosive pass rate is 5% higher with Tunsil on the field. This is a substantial loss, and there's nobody to replace him. He ranked 19th out of 58 qualified uh, offensive tackles in pass pro efficiency last year per uh, per pro football focus. He allowed the 12th fewest pressures among starting uh, offensive tackles. It's it's substantial, and I don't know what putting a a journeyman quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick behind that offensive line is going to do. Josh Rosen was 21 years old last year. So if I'm the Dolphins, I'm I'm throwing Josh Rosen out there, figuring out what I have with him, and I, I don't see the incentive not starting him. You, if you're the Dolphins, you're not going to win this year. And I think fooling yourself into thinking you could you could compete with a journeyman at quarterback, no offensive line, no established alpha receivers, and no linebackers, I, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to lose by a lot. That's what they're going to do. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because I'm with you. That's the one thing. Like at first, before they made the trades, they announced Fitzmagic. I'm like, okay, with the team they have, you put a guy out there that'll sling it everywhere. They'll they'll keep it entertaining. But for the whole the whole offseason, I was like, okay, if you trade for Josh Rosen, you mentioned 21 years old, and we're most likely going to have some very high draft picks next year. You might want to know if Rosen's your future or not. You might want to have an idea. Um, I expect Rosen to be there by week four, week five. I, I haven't looked at their, their bye week that closely, but I don't see Fitzpatrick starting that often unless they know with no offensive line, Fitzpatrick might die. So let's wait and then let Rosen play. That's my only guess. That's the only thing I can think of too. I mean, if I'm, if I'm the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, I'm throwing Rosen back there immediately and keeping him back there for all 16 games. I'm giving him a full season's worth of assessment but, I mean, outside of the quarterback situation, I can't make heads or tails of what the receivers are going to look like. So we've got Kenny Stills gone. Danny Amendola from last year, who was playing the slot, is in Detroit. So that leaves Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, and Jakeem Grant. Now, one thing I did notice using the uh, the uh, injury tool over on the Quan Edge was when you take Kenny Stills off the field, there was there was 169 snaps last year where Kenny Stills was off the field. Jakeem Grant had a 20% target share. Wow. 20% target share with Kenny Stills off the field. 
Danny Amendola had a 16% target share. Albert Wilson only 9.2, but he missed most of the, he missed more than half the season. I honestly think I'm targeting Albert Wilson first, assuming he stays in the slot in three wide receiver sets. I'm more interested to know what this team is going to look like in 12 personnel and 21 personnel if they if they use any 21, I'm not sure, but uh, I, I would guess just based on size, the 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 X and the Z would be Devontae Parker and Jakeem Grant, and then they would keep Albert Wilson for 11 personnel and three wide receiver sets only. Yeah, you might be onto something there because, um, you know, Grant had some big games towards the end of the year. I remember some of those, especially playing DFS and everything. He'd be a value just kind of GPP play because they just throw <laughs> it up to him and he'd, he'd go bananas at times. Um the only guy you didn't mention there, and I'm curious, Mr. Uh, preseason, Preston Williams. No love for Preston? I like Preston Williams, but he's, in my eyes, I think he's more of a 2020 and beyond asset. I don't see him making a substantial impact this year. And if he does, I don't think it would be in, in, unless there's like an injury or if he he just gives them no choice anymore. T- to me, Preston Williams doesn't quite have the athleticism to be an alpha yeah. Uh, he's got the size. I just don't quite see the athleticism. Um, I, I really think we'd have to see an injury first for him to get on the field consistently. And w- one thing to me that I noticed was, I mean, Jakeem Grant signed a four-year $19.7 million extension and got more than a third of that guaranteed. He got $7.5 guaranteed. That tells me the team is ready to start using it. That's a that's a great, great point there because uh, no one's talking about Jakeem Grant to tell you the truth. So uh, that could be a sneaky. We'll talk a little kind of shooting from the hip waiver wire targets uh, later on, but I guarantee you he's available everywhere. So uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on and a good point there, especially if Fitzpatrick's there, he loves just to throw it up. So no one would be shocked if Jakeem Grant against the Ravens on Sunday comes down with some random 55 yard Hail Mary touchdown or something. As, as, as That's what the Dolphins do. They're going to lose 42 to, to 10, but that could be the touchdown. So it's, it's very, very popular. Um, let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs. This one shook Twitter to its fullest, and it might have shook your Facebook group as well. When LaShawn McCoy signed with the Kansas City Chiefs, again, we talked about Carlos Hyde. Everyone thought for sure it was shady was going to Houston. He goes to Kansas City where everyone's draft darling Damian Williams reside. Everyone's up-and-coming Darwin Thompson resides, so on and so forth. With shady in town, Mark, how are you looking at Kansas City's backfield? So I got 48 hours, roughly 48 hours from the time of this uh, this podcast worth of best balls left. I wanted to get up to 100, which means I got 17 left. If I can get Damian Williams in the fourth or fifth round of those best balls, or I can, get, I can still get LaShawn McCoy in the 10th, 11th, or 12th, I'm doing it. Uh, I want pieces of this backfield. I'm not just going to start fading this backfield after the processes I've been following all summer with Damian Williams have led me to where I am. With Damian Williams, I mean, he's he's got 95th percentile speed, 63rd percentile burst per player profiler, and he's got pass catching prowess. He is a perfect scheme fit for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I still believe he's the starter, but we can't pretend Shady won't get work. You know, we're, it's kind of just a wait and see how they're deployed situation. We know that Damian Williams can succeed in this offense. A big reason why he was being drafted at the 2-3 turn all, all summer was, was touchdown and reception upside. This is a guy that had 20 touchdown potential. As far as like Darwin Thompson is concerned, he's got upside in Dynasty, but it, 
it's going to get very tough very quickly to roster a third string running back and redraft. So I'm pretty much out on Darwin Thompson. I'm, I'm trying to unload him where I can, if there's any upside on the waiver wire. And, and we're going to talk about more waiver wire upside here in a little bit, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. I I'm going to try and get some LaShawn McCoy leverage because I do have about 16% Damian Williams in best ball, but I'm not concerned about my Damian Williams shares. I still think he can absolutely crush this year. So yeah, you're you're still good with Damian Williams. Like everyone's, everyone and their mom has said, whoever's the running back in the system in Kansas City is going to be just fine. In Andy Reid's system, you're going to be just fine. Uh, Shady's probably there more to be kind of a, a helper role, I'd imagine. So like you're saying, Damian's fine. It does affect Darwin a little bit, but there still could be value with Darwin later. So there is something to keep an eye on there in Kansas City because whoever's got the ball is going to be very, very successful in that dynamic offense. Let's go to Buffalo. With Shady leaving town, there's still Frank Gore, who when um, depth charts came out today is the number one running back, which depth charts be damned, but he is the number one running back. Devin Singletary, draft day darling, he is the number two, still a very explosive pass catching back with some running upside what are you doing with the Buffalo backfield? Well, fortunately, and, and this is the importance of foresight in fantasy football, most of us knew that one of these guys was not making the team. And I think a lot of us were pretty sure it was either going to be LaShawn McCoy or TJ Yeldon. My educated guess was LaShawn McCoy, but a big part of me felt, you know what, they're probably going to hang on to McCoy one more year and cut TJ Yeldon. I think the Bills made the right call. They cut the right running back and kept they kept the right one in TJ Eldon, but as far as Devin Singletary is concerned, I cannot justify drafting him anymore where he's going. I mean, I, I did probably 15 best balls this past weekend. He went anywhere between the fifth and like the eighth. And I'm sorry, in the fifth and sixth round for Devin Singletary, consider me completely out. I, w- I won't touch him there. I mean, underwhelming athletic profile. He, he was a small school compiler it's still a three-headed backfield, and, and and Bills running backs only collected an 18% target share last year. Like Josh Allen is not friendly to his running backs from a fantasy perspective. I I'm glad I got some like 14th and 15th round Devin Singletary shares in both best ball and redraft, but I, I'm completely comfortable with what I have. I don't feel underweight at all, and especially with people taking him in the fifth and sixth round, they can have him. I'm I'm out. Yeah, that, that's the thing is I, I know I have a, a Devin Singletary share from earlier this year uh, in a draft with uh, the, the Black Book draft, absolutely. And um, it was more kind of a, I can't remember what round, I tried looking it up right now, it was like seventh, eighth, ninth round at least in like a 14-team league. So it was super deep. He was not my top couple running backs, that's for darn sure. I, I like the upside, but when, when Shady left town, which I agree with you, pretty much anybody with a pulse with the situation when you knew they owed him over $9 million, it was pretty simple to see where Buffalo was going to go on this situation. So I was telling everybody, I don't know why everyone's running to Devin Singletary. I know he can be good. Frank Gore, like, don't be shocked when he gets like a thousand yards this year and gets goal line carries. Like this is going to happen. Like it's Frank freaking Gore and stupid things like this happen year in and year out. Like I've seen, he was in Miami a couple years ago and did this. I am very aware of how Frank Gore operates. So uh, don't be fooled. Let's go to the Los Angeles Chargers. It still sucks saying the Los Angeles Chargers, but here we are. Melvin Gordon, a guy that I've – I love the, the roster every single year. I, uh, I'm i not rostering him this year, Mark, to be honest with you. I'm not sure if you are either, but uh, 
the Chargers have pretty much shut down all communications for extensions. They said, we'll do it after the season. They told his, his people to go ahead and request trades. Apparently, there's a couple biters out there right now. That was the latest report earlier today. We'll see where that goes. But Melvin's not in town. A, what are you doing with Melvin Gordon in drafts? B, you got Eckler, you got Jackson. How are you assessing San Diego? The second these holdouts started with both Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott, I dropped them out of my rankings. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I went through this. I went down this road with Le'Veon Bell last year. I don't care if the situations are different. I don't, I don't want to deal with them. I don't need the headache in the first, second, and third rounds of my drafts. It's like at the 1.5, why would I risk drafting Melvin Gordon when I can just go and take David Johnson who could catch 80 balls this year? Why would I risk drafting Melvin Gordon or Ezekiel Elliott when I can take DeAndre Hopkins, who could break records this year if Deshaun Watson gets protected. It, it was never worth the risk. Like, I had them unranked. I published my rankings in, in FSA on the Facebook group, and people were asking, where's Zeke? Where's Melvin Gordon? And I'm just like, I'm not drafting them, so I'm not going to tell you guys to draft them. The second there was going to be, like, some buzz, like, hey, Melvin Gordon is close to signing, yeah, I might start pecking and taking some shares if his AD, if he's still falling, but... With Melvin Gordon, it's been a standstill all summer. We have not heard one positive retort coming out from that front office about where they stand with Melvin Gordon. So it, it was never worth it. The team was just as successful with and with as opposed to without him. They they won all four games Melvin Gordon didn't play in last year. The passing game didn't really suffer. The only thing that did suffer was rushing efficiency. And this is a team that prides themselves on being a pass attack first. I mean, Phillip Rivers might be a Hall of Famer. He's a fringe Hall of Famer. He's probably not first ballot, but he can still sling it. Keenan Allen is one of the best pure route runners in the NFL, and they've got an ascendant wide receiver playing the Z in in Mike Williams. So I just don't see why they would invest that equity in Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It was weird because, like I said, I'm a big Melvin guy, but I, I was 100% with you. With Zeke's, I was kind of on board that I figured he'd be signed, and we'll get to him in a minute. I figured he'd be there by the start of the year. Maybe it's going to be a few weeks in, but I figured you're going to get a good a good dose of Zeke this year. We'll get into that again in a second. With Melvin, like you said, it was pretty much at a standstill all you, all offseason, and literally no one has budged. And I kind of you had that feeling, and I wanted nothing to do with Melvin. When people were taking him in the third and fourth round, I still did not want anything to do with him. And there are other people out there, like respected people going, okay, there's a point where he becomes value. I don't know where that value is if he doesn't play. So it's very difficult with Melvin. And the only way he's going to hit value is if he gets traded. And he might get traded. So that could help. But we'll we'll have that on another podcast another time whenever that comes around. What are you doing with Eckler and, and uh, Justin Jackson? I'm, dra- I'm actively drafting both. If I, if I don't get Austin Eckler, see, Austin Eckler is going right around where Duke Johnson is going. And between the two, I'm taking Duke Johnson every time. But if I can't get Austin Eckler, I can get Justin Jackson in the 12th round. And I don't think either one of these guys has a substantial advantage over the other. I think Austin Eckler is going to be more productive in the sense that he's going to get targeted more. He's going to catch more passes. And whenever we've got two guys in a committee, I'm going to take the guy that's going to get the receiving usage all day. And I mean, you, you look at how the offense performed without Melvin Gordon They uh, just last year or over the last two years, rather with Melvin Gordon off the field, he's missed four games. They averaged nearly nine yards per pass attempt. So this is still going to be a productive offense. They still averaged 
2.6 points per drive compared to 2.12 points per drive with Melvin Gordon on the field. This offense was still very productive. It was still very good from a per drive and per play perspective. So these are still two backs I want. And with Justin Jackson being still being available in the 12th round, I think he's a lock for me that way. Yeah, no, I think that's a great call because the thing with Eckler, it's like if Gordon was there, Eckler still had later round value because he's going to get his, his pass catching abilities. Like I'd call him like a Duke Johnson light if Duke was still where he was in Cleveland, not the, the number one guy. He was a similar kind of asset as Duke used to be, maybe a little less. Um, Justin Jackson, obviously, with no Melvin, he's going to get a lot of the, the carries and going from there. So there's a lot to like with both. Um, just for fun, you don't have to go super deep into this if you don't need, if you don't want to. But, you know, Keenan Allen's a little banged up, but Keenan Allen's always banged up. you got Mike Williams, who's in for a big year. you got Hunter Henry back from his ACL injury. With no Melvin Gordon, you'd imagine Phillip Rivers might – like you said, the offense is still very good without Melvin Gordon. Do you foresee that maybe they pass it more and these guys have even more value? Like Phillip Rivers maybe becomes an even more valuable quarterback, even though he's always been pretty good, just no one gives him the respect he deserves because of the bolo tie. But it's like, do you think – you know, maybe Hunter Henry and these other assets are, are more valuable now without Melvin Gordon. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't go as far as to say that uh, Philip Rivers is going to be more valuable or any more productive. I mean, he's more efficient. He's yes. more efficient with Melvin Gordon off the field, literally by a full yard per pass attempt. But this opens up a plethora of red zone usage for Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, and Hunter Henry. I, there, are, there are no bigger winners, in my opinion, than those three just because I don't see Austin Eckler or Justin Jackson having like league winning upside. I think they'll both have safe week to week floors just on volume alone. If they're both seeing, you know, eight to 12 touches each and goal line work, they're both going to have presentable floors, but this boosts the ceiling for all three of their primary pass catchers in Henry Williams and Keenan Allen. Yep. Uh, I agree with you 110% there. Uh, let's go to Zeke. We just hinted at him a little bit ago. The latest is six years, $90 million. It's a heck of a payday for Ezekiel. He's flying back from Cabo. They have a meeting, I believe, tonight or tomorrow morning. We're recording on Tuesday night. This deal, we've heard it's almost done. It's not almost done. Right now, where we sit, why we're talking, it seems like it's just a, maybe a couple little things here and there. Cross a couple T's, dot a couple I's. It's pretty much a done deal. We might see in week one. By week two, he should be a full guy. Assuming he, that's the case, would say you have a draft coming up before, and where are you taking Zeke, and what are you doing with Tony Pollard, who everyone was all about, but now with Zeke in town, that definitely takes a massive hit. Yeah, well, I'm going to start with Tony Pollard. I mean, I'm still going to hang on to him. I mean, I've been drafting Tony Pollard all summer, especially in best balls when he was free. That, that's a big thing for me is I love drafting other players' handcuffs. And ever since this whole Zeke thing started, I was like, who's his backup? I need his backup. I started drafting Tony Pollard like before I had even looked into his his college tape, his college production. But I was like, all right, well, they used this guy. He's got this athletic profile. This guy could be productive behind that offensive line. So I just started drafting him. If I get an offer for him from the Zeke owner for the handcuff, I'm probably taking it now. I'm less inclined to keep him now that I know a deal is probably imminent at this point. I almost hope this this takes a little, like, one more week to clear out just so we can get Tony Pollard in week one for DFS at 4,500 on draft games. <laughs> I think so that'd cheap. be so much fun. 
Yeah, it's it's so cheap. He would probably break the slate. Like regardless of how he pre- performs, he's going to break the slate. I mean, if he crushes and you don't have him, you're not coming away with a penny. But if he if he performs like pedestrian or or completely bust and and you for the most part faded him, you you could absolutely smash the week one the week one slate, especially if you're playing like Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper stacks or something. But the same thing with Melvin Gordon. I mean, I just don't see how any running back is worth that money. If, if you're asking me, I'm closer to team hashtag running backs don't matter more than anything else. I, I don't see him being worth that kind of money when that offensive line is as established as it is, when they still need to pay Dak Prescott, when they still need to extend Amari Cooper, who outside of the offensive line is the most important player on that offense now. So I don't, I don't see how Zeke is worth what he's about to get. Yeah, no, and it's crazy. I was kind of right before we started recording, I was kind of going through some more news and notes. And um, Jared Goff just got an extension through 2024, I believe. He's going to make about $32 million a year, Jared Goff. And my comment on Twitter, and it was very hostile, like some people obviously are fighting against Twitter. I said, well, now you at least see why the running backs put up a fight. Like I understand while quarterbacks are way more important than running backs because, like you said, maybe hashtag running backs don't matter. I get all that, and the quarterbacks have to be – it's the market. Quarterbacks get paid. That's the way of the world. I get it. But if you sit back for like two seconds and you look at a running back who maybe touches the ball 25 times a game, which means they maybe get hit hard 15 times a game, they're probably looking at that going, wait a minute. How can I not get like 15 to 20 million a year? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think they're worth something. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that running backs are completely worthless, especially yeah. a running back as talented as Ezekiel Elliott. A running back, like what, what some people do need to realize, and even I forget this sometimes, is the wear and tear that gets put on these on these guys' bodies that are playing running backs, like you just said. I mean, you think 15 heavy hits a game if you're a bell cow like Ezekiel Elliott? You need to get something, and you need to get it guaranteed. If I'm Ezekiel Elliott, I'm probably going into that office and say, all right, you want to pay me half of what I think I'm worth? then you're going to use me for half of what I'm worth. I want incentives for 300 carries. I want incentives for 80 or for 50 receptions. I want incentives for 1,000 and 1,500 receiving yards and push the team to use Tony Pollard more if they're not going to pay him fairly for what he's worth. 100% agree. Yeah, that's, that was my whole thing. Is like I agree with everything you said. I was just trying to use the viewpoint of, okay, if you see this guy's getting paid X, well, then I could see where someone might complain a little bit. Is it right? No. And hey, that's part of the agreement that's in place. There's nothing you can do about that. That that comes down to the players' association and figuring it out. It's not fair that the running backs are used for their most valuable years on the rookie contracts, and then they're not really valuable when they're up for for contract. I get all that. Like Joe Mixon just made an extension, a two year extension for I think mean, eleven or twelve million guaranteed, which is good. It's kind of a start in the right directions. You see it a lot in baseball these days. These young kids start to kind of get out of their rookie deals to get some money up front, which on paper looks like an absolute steal for the teams, but at least it gives the the players something guaranteed. So I think we're going to see more of that coming down the pipeline. But that's a whole other podcast. This is not an economics podcast. It just stood out to me kind of funny when I saw that. I was like, oh, that's just perfect timing to get Zeke like, fired up on his flight home from Cabo to see something like that. Uh, let's go to Seattle. DK Metcalf had a scope procedure on his knee a couple weeks ago. He's back in practice. I've seen some people say he's back too soon. Some people say he's just fine. He's supposed to play week one. Big rookie receiver, lots of high expectations. Tyler Lockett's the beast there. They got Jerron Brown back after they released him. What's your thoughts on DK Metcalf in Seattle? 
My thoughts on DK Metcalf are the Tyler Lockett experiment experiment is over. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love I love Tyler Lockett. I think he's one of the best route runners in the NFL. He's one of the best go route receivers we've ever seen. But it, it I mean, it, it bumps Tyler Lockett back down a little bit. Just back when we thought he was going to be all they had, uh, it basically makes Jerron Brown expendable. They did re-sign him after releasing him, didn't they? Or did yeah, they, they brought him back outright? like a, no, they they brought him back like a, okay. yesterday or something like that. Yeah, yeah he's back. Yeah, they. They caught him and then brought him right back. But yeah, I mean, it says he's going to start week one. Uh, I've always been a believer in DK Metcalf, the athlete. I've never quite been a believer in DK Metcalf, the football player. And it's not that I like I'm outright not. It's just like I need to see this more. Watching one of the most genetically gifted athletes ever, possibly that's ever played professional sports, dominate. In college, I mean, I, I want to see it at the NFL level. I want to see what he's capable of going up against competent corners. So uh, that, that's all I can say with DK Metcalf right now. It's just like, I want to see it. I want to see what he can do. And until that happens, I really don't think he's a detriment to Tyler Lockett's value at all. If he becomes what we think he can become just based on sheer athleticism alone, I think he could be a substantial boost for Russell Wilson. I mean, who's already a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Yeah, no, and that that's where I think the biggest thing is it gives Wilson another weapon that if he is who people say he is, because I'm with you, I got to see it. Like, he's a freak athlete. Yeah, he runs around with no shirt on, has like a 14-pack. That's great. But can he play NFL wide receiver? We haven't seen that yet. It's different than college, obviously. So I, I'm waiting to see that. Some people, I thought the hype was high. Like, if you got value on him in a draft, sure. I, I got him in a 14-team league last night in the PPR league. I got him in the last round. After my kicker defense, I was like, okay, I'll take him. Why not? Give it a shot. But um, people are taking him pretty early, and I just couldn't couldn't get behind that one. Let's go to Chicago. They got a Thursday night prime or prime time kickoff special showdown slate. Hashtag TQE's already got the out uh, the article out for that. If anybody's curious, but um, good stuff. Hey, there. my name was in that one. Yes, it was. Yes, it was, <laughs> and uh, it, it was a very very detailed article by Elliot Christ. But um, Trey Boo Boo, Trey Burton, banged up. Good chance he doesn't see Thursday action. It's still possible, but things are leaning towards probably not, which means Adam Sheehan gets some playing time. We've seen Sheehan getting used before. What are you assessing with this uh, Chicago tight end position, which is tight end's already an ugly fantasy position to begin with? Yeah, I mean, on the on the DraftKings showdown slate, Adam Sheehan is 400. Yeah, like free. Not 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 four thousand. He's four hundred. He yeah. catches one pass for ten yards, and he are, he's already five x value. So it's it's going to be very difficult to win any money without Adam Shaheen in your lineups. If Trey Burton does indeed sit, and it's he's a game time decision. I don't think he's going to play. He's been dealing with groin injuries as and this and this sports hernia recovery since January. So it, it's not looking good. And Adam Shaheen, he he's got a great athletic profile. His spark score is in the 70th percentile or the between 70 and 80th percentile for tight ends. So he's, he's athletic. It's just, he hasn't shown that he could be a consistent pass catching option in any offense, let alone somebody who should, let alone with a quarterback who struggles to throw to the, uh, to intermediate outside routes like Mitchell Trubisky does. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. So that's going to be the, uh, the tough one there. And it's on DraftKings 400 bucks. Yeah. Give me that all day long let's talk coach speak we, we try to like not listen to that all preseason well preseason's over and roster cuts have been made 
And we got some coach speak coming out of Washington. Our good old buddy, Jay Gruden, flat out saying Darius Geis, drafted last year, ACL injury, missed the season. He says we draft him as a workhorse back. He is our workhorse back. We're going to use him over and over. He was an interesting like, decision on draft day. You got Adrian Peterson, who we know can be a kind of a Frank Gore kind of headache at times. Chris Thompson is still a very good pass catching back when he's healthy. What's your thoughts on Darius Geis and are any of those other guys, Thompson or Peterson, interesting to you fantasy-wise? Well, let me put it to you this way. Darius Geis is like my second highest owned running back in best ball this year. So you like behind, Yeah, right (laughs) behind Miles Sanders. I don't like the offense. I I don't think that offense is going to be good at all, but I've always been a believer in Darius Geis, the talent. I mean, he did see a target share in in the – seven and eight percent uh in college so he he can catch the football he caught 32 passes in college one thing i did notice watching uh that week three game against atlanta on 15 case keenum dropbacks Darius guys ran a route on seven of them chris thompson ran a route on eight of them so i, I mean could they could they split the receiving usage like i said i mean he had a 7.3 target share in college he caught 32 balls He's not like a prolific pass catcher like we could say Chris Thompson is, but he has shown enough promise to make us believe he could become one. Yeah, and that that was my bugaboo all draft season. For like years, I've been a Chris Thompson guy, but for years I've getting burned by his injuries. So I don't have any Chris Thompson this year. Last year I go out and draft Darius Geis on an early draft, gets his ACL injury. So I have that, you know, everyone talks about don't have fantasy, you know, flashbacks. Well, tell me a fantasy owner that's played long enough that does not have fantasy flashbacks and they're a liar. So that's just that's just how it works. And I was telling uh, Scott Bogman recently on the ITL show that as the preseason has gone on, as I see a healthy Darius guys, and even before I heard like this coach speak, I was like, okay, I'm buying back in. Like this dude was a beast in college. He is a very talented running back. Like the coach speak says, they drafted him as a, as a, as a top pick for a reason. So I'm with you. I think you've got some steals and drafts when you did your best balls. Um, I think there's a lot to like with Darius Geis. Like you said, just because the team's bad doesn't mean they're going to be fantasy bad altogether. Like, they might not be great, but like a, a random receiver or a random, you know, running back can still be very, very good. So I think Geis could be sneaky interesting. And Chris Thompson, like you said, they could coexist and be very, very talented. So I like that quite a bit. Let's go to Indianapolis. Last episode, we talked about the Andrew Luck fallout. Pretty sure you guys have talked about that quite a bit over on the Roto Bros podcast as well. But Jacoby Brissett, he gets the extension. They're believers. He got 20 mil guaranteed. That was big. People forget he was a third-round draft pick at NC State. So the the pedigree is there. And then they just signed Brian Hoyer as a backup to another, like, guaranteed 9 mil. Two former New England quarterbacks. I'll just get your thoughts. I know it's been talked about everywhere. With Brissett at quarterback, what what are your thoughts just on this this indie – offense as a fantasy asset well i was joking the last time i said this with tyler lockett but i really think that means the uh chad kelly experiment is over that is sad i'm with you there that was a bump i agree i agree i was really sad about that i do think the kid is is playable i do think he's good enough to be somebody in this league it's just i i don't know if he's dug himself too too big a or too deep a hole to climb out of but i mean my guess is that the team is convinced jacoby Brissett is their starter at, at least for the next two seasons and I don't think Jacoby Brissett is bad. I mean, the 2017 Colts made Jacoby Brissett look a lot worse than he actually is. He was the second most often pressured quarterback in football that year. His pressure rate was over 40%. I mean, Luck was the sixth least often pressured quarterback last year with pressure rate well under 30%. So the improvements to the offensive line, the upgrade of play caller, and he's got 
a ton of weapons outside of T.Y. Hilton now with Paris Campbell, Devin Funches, Eric Ebron. Uh, Marlon Mack is making that transition into a potential three down back. He could be a dynamic pass catcher out of the backfield again this year. I like Jacoby Brissett, I, especially in best ball. I'm drafting him as my second or third quarterback in the last round of every draft. I mean, I, this is going to be like the third podcast I've said this on, but a wise man once told me that if you can, if you're a quarterback that can run, I'm interested. Yeah. Like I want you on my fantasy team. And, and you know who told me that? Who? Elliot told me that. Elliot Chris said that yeah. on my podcast. And like, I've always thought that, but it the make, way it he makes put sense. it into words. It makes yeah. sense. The way he put it into words, I was like, that is what I've been thinking this whole time and have never been able to put it into words. But it's like, when you can run, your your floor is automatically safe. You automatically have a safe floor week to week. But what a lot of people ignore is it makes your your fantasy ceiling like sky high. Because if you can produce, you think if you can produce like 200 yards passing and a touchdown and, and get 10 points, but then you crush on the ground or vice versa, like you produce like 50, 50 or 70, or I'm sorry, five or seven fantasy points on the ground and then crush through the air. Either way, your ceiling is insanely high. So yeah, give me Jacoby Brissett all day in fantasy. Yeah, no, it's it's a very good point that's often overlooked because a lot of people see the running quarterback and they think it's a gimmick or they think there's there's more chance for injury, so we don't want them as a, as a draft pick because it's just more volatility. But look at what Cam Newton's done. Look what Lamar Jackson did in a limited time last year. Uh, there's a reason why Elliott loves Deshaun Watson and mobile quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and everything. They have, like you said, such a great floor, especially when you play DFS. When you can lock in a floor like that in a cash game and then have that GPP upside when you play GPPs, it is tremendous on a week-to-week basis. Like, look at what Josh Allen can do. It's crazy. He is on the Buffalo frickin' Bills, and he's a fantasy asset because he can run the way he runs. Um, there's a lot to be said. You, 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 I don't know if you were playing fantasy back then. I know I wasn't. Steve Young was probably the best quarterback ever to play fantasy football, just because of what he could do with his legs and through the air. So, Dude, I'm sorry. How crazy. old do you? How old do you think I am? I don't know. Uh, late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, yeah. I'm 26. I've only been playing fantasy football since like 2006. See, so, yeah, that's what I figured. Because I, I, I figured because if I wasn't, you probably weren't. Is the way, yeah. I, is the way yeah. I looked at it. So when Steve Young was in his heyday, I don't think either one of us were uh, grinding along on that one. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy what people think about the running quarterback, the stigma that is with the running quarterback. Um, Let's go to an interesting one, just kind of perusing recent news. Des Bryant is looking to possibly return this October. I possibly want to go buy a new car, maybe go on a trip to Fiji, but those aren't in the cards. Do you think Des Bryant returning this October is actually realistic? And if so, what are your thoughts on that? You know, this is so funny because I was reading the show sheet last night when you sent it to me and I was like, I'm Des Bryant, he's coming back. I, I had no idea. I didn't hear this. I mean, I didn't know if it was an update on SleeperBot or something, but I, I didn't hear it. But after the rehabbing that Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders have made, it just makes me think modern medicine really has come this far, especially for professional athletes. So I don't see why why not? I don't see why a team wouldn't take a shot if he's healthy and he's medically cleared. Des Bryant was a touchdown monster from like 2011 all the way up until what 2016, 2015, right when right yeah. around when Dak right around when Dak Prescott took over is kind of when his ceiling fell out from under him in fantasy. So, yeah, I think I definitely think Des Bryant could be something if he actually is healthy. Yeah, no, I just wanted to bring it on the radar because, like you said, 
when I made the show sheet last night, it was news to me. So I figured it was pretty, pretty new worth talking about because we'll talk about a couple of waiver wire guys here. Hey, if you got a deep bench or something and you want to go stash a Des Bryant, it could be interesting. It's still a long ways away. October is a long ways away, but if you have that random spot in a couple of weeks, even think about it, just something to, to kind of ponder as we get closer to October. San Francisco 49ers, Jarek McKinnon, he's gotten paid quite a bit from the Niners to not play, basically. Um, he's back out for the year on the IR, knee, knee uh, acting up again. Matt Breida is the running back one on the depth chart with Tevin Coleman behind him, which tilts many people. What's your take on Breida and Coleman in that Niners backfield? I mean, I've been, I've been actively drafting both of them all summer. Uh, between the two, I still view Matt Breida as the more talented running back, but it's not by much. I don't think the gap between these two running backs from a, from a talent and athleticism perspective is as far as people suggest. I mean, they both have great straight line speed, great burst. They both have receiving prowess, but neither of them are overwhelmingly elusive with the ball in their hands. They're not avoided tackle and broken tackle juggernauts like, like a Dalvin cook or, or a, uh, like a, like a Kenneth Dixon or something. So I don't, I value them close to the same. I don't think it ever really made all that much sense that Tevin Coleman was being drafted so far ahead of Matt Breda. And it hasn't made sense even since we've known about the Jarek McKinnon news. So speaking of Jarek McKinnon, man, that, that, that one hurts me a lot because I thought he was a value in the 13th round all summer. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of best ball exposure to Jarek McKinnon. So I'm, I'm in some pain right now too. Yeah. I have a couple too. Cause I was the same way. I was in a, a best ball draft and I'm sitting there going, okay, keeps falling next round. He's still there next round. He's still like, okay, this is ridiculous. I have to take him. So I do, I did it a few times. And now I guess I know why I, he's still there. So it's frustrating because it looked like things were getting better and it just, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird how it just doesn't want to want to heal for the guy. It sucks because the talent's there. He's a really good receiving back, kind of a, a much better, well, not maybe much better, but a better Chris Thompson type that uh, can be very good in that offense. We know how, Shanahan can use those kind of pass catching backs. That would have been a really, really awesome tool to have. There. That's why Shanahan brought him in. He, he saw what we all saw. He just can't stay healthy, which is an absolute shame. All right, let's talk about some possible waiver wire guys. There's going to be a ton. We're not going to mention all of them. If you have someone, we're done. Fire away. I just went through like the, the different websites of leagues I'm in, looked at some guys that are available that kind of caught my attention. Um, one of them, we kind of hit on it with Seattle, Jerron uh, Brown. They brought him back. He's going to be the wide receiver, too, there in Seattle. Another weapon for Russell Wilson. Looking on Fantasy Pros right now, he's 0% owned in Yahoo and ESPN. Not sure how accurate that is, but he's going to be out there on your waiver wires. What's your take on maybe taking a gamble on like a guy like Jerron Brown? Jerron Brown, I don't think I would be going after right now just because I know who else. It's going to depend on who else is available. I think I would rather roster Chris Thompson, and I know for a fact I'd rather roster Terry McLaurin especially after the news we got that he's going to be the team's ex. He's probably going to play 80% of the snaps this coming Sunday against the Eagles. He's got a decent matchup. I mean, I'm not saying play him right now, but as like in like maximum entry DFS, I wouldn't hate some exposure to Terry McLaurin at sub 400 or at some, at sub 4k with that price point. But he, he was a guy, he's a guy definitely in like season long leagues that I want at the end of my bench too. If he really is going to get the snap share we're expecting. I mean, when a coach comes out and says he's our ex, he's our ex receiver. I mean, that means this guy could become an alpha, and I do think he's talented enough. With his ADP, his ADP is outside the top three hundred in, in the FFPC. 
So that means he's going to be on the waiver wire in most leagues, especially in like ESPN and Yahoo, where you can just absolutely abuse those rankings, a la Adam Levitan. <laughs> yep, totally. That, that, that's a really, really good call there. You mentioned Chris Thompson. Uh, he's 19% in ESPN, 11% Yahoo. We talked about the, the running back situation in Washington already. Um, what's kind of your – if you draft a guy or if you go and pick up a guy like Chris Thompson, you're using him strictly PPR flex, or is he actually even creep into running back two for you? He, I would say he's a flex. You can't, you can't expect running back two production from him. But, you, I mean, you look at his last 20 games, 80 catches, 109 targets, and 778 receiving yards. He, he's got minimal competition for targets, assuming Terry McLaurin and Kelvin Harmon take time to develop. They've got Trey Quinn in the slot, who is no target hog. He's no alpha. And then they've got Paul Richardson. They just cut Josh Doxson. So he's got very minimal competition for targets, assuming they're kind of going to ease Darius Geis into receiving work. So especially in week one, I think in a PPR league, at least in like a 14-team PPR league or a deep one, you can do worse than Chris Thompson, who's probably going to see six or seven targets. Well, and a key thing you just said there, it's week one. We know Chris Thompson's healthy. Like yep. <laughs> throughout the year, we battle his health week in week. I, don't, I can't tell you how many times last year on my teams he had that, you know, questionable game time decision next to his name every single week. And you had to wait and see if he's playing or not. Right now he's playing. He's playing week one. So enjoy it. Um, we talked about Miami. Uh, Albert Wilson, he's 9% Yahoo, 25% ESPN. Jakeem Grant, 3% Yahoo, 1% ESPN. I have a feeling the way you talk, you'd rather have Jakeem Grant over Albert Wilson. Uh, do you recommend going out and grabbing either one or both of those guys? Not so much Jakeem Grant. He's kind of a wait and see. Um, honestly, I've been on Albert Wilson all summer. I've been drafting him in best balls. I've been stashing him at the end of my bench in redraft leagues. I've got a couple of dynasty shares. This is one of the most elusive receivers in the NFL. He's one of the best yak receivers, yards after the catch receivers in the NFL. He can make plays on his own. He can catch an underneath pass on like a dig or something and take it to the house. So he's got big play potential and it doesn't have to come with 40 air yards underneath it. Regardless of quarterback play, Albert Wilson can smash. So give it like between the two, give me Albert Wilson every time, at least until we see what Jakeem Grant is capable of with this new contract and with some uptick in usage. No doubt about it. Let's go to Baltimore. It's kind of a stigma. We, we talked about enjoying the running quarterbacks for fantasy. At the same time, Lamar Jackson didn't throw the ball a lot last year. Now, obviously, reports are coming out. They want to throw it 25-plus times a game, which would be great. Miles Boykin, stud wide receiver at Notre Dame, 5% owned at Yahoo, 2% ESPN. They got John Brown, who's super low-owned as well. They have weapons in Baltimore. What weapons do you want in that receiving game? The only one that I've actively been drafting is Mark Andrews, but if you stash Miles Boykin at the end of your bench, I can I can get behind it. 94th percentile spark score per player profiler. This dude has one of the most ridiculous athletic profile uh, athletic profiles I have ever seen. 99th percentile burst and 100th percentile catch rate. He, he's six foot four, two twenty. He he's physical. They invested some draft equity, but he I mean he's going to take some time to develop. So. We'll see what they can come up with. But again, he's going to play. He's going to play on the outside and he should be on the field for at least 70, 80% of the snaps. There there are worse guys you can have stashed at the end of your bench. I just don't know what his floor or his ceiling are right now. So he, he's a wait and see. Yeah. And that's kind of how it was. I misspoke with John Brown. John Brown was that same type of guy last year in Baltimore. 
Now he's in Buffalo. You got John Brown, who's super available in leagues. You got Zay Jones, 8% Yahoo, 3% ESPN. Both, like pretty much all the receivers in Buffalo are low-owned because it is a question mark with Josh Allen. But we saw how he could get going towards the end of the year when he ran the ball a lot. He, he, he threw it in the air. It was very, especially the deep ball, was very good. Do you want any pieces of this Buffalo receiving court? Because they are available on your waiver wires. Oh, yeah. Give me John Brown all day. Give me John Brown. He was he was a match made in heaven with Joe Flacco last year. If you like, if you literally take a wide receiver and you mold them and manufacture them in a lab for Josh Allen, you would create John Brown. Yeah, he's he's the perfect he's the perfect match for Josh Allen for a quarterback that literally wants to throw the football over mountains. <laughs> I and he's free. He's only yeah. owned in like what, what did you say he was owned in ESPN leagues again? Uh, let me pull him up. I had Zay Jones, John Brown. I have it like right fifty. Here. He's forty nine percent Yahoo, thirty two percent ESPN. I think after week one that won't be the case. He'll he'll probably be one of the hottest waiver wire targets after week one when he like leads the the league in air yards through the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, I think Heath Cummings from CBS, good guy, was uh, tweeting out today. I think John Brown was like 45 to 50% on in CBS. He says, someone add him. We need to fix this problem now. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all in on John. Not all in, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, in, in the 12th round. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to roster guys to sit on your bench, he's one that should be there. Because, <laughs> like you said, Josh Allen, do people remember Robert Foster by chance, who was pretty much doing nothing all year until all of a sudden Josh Allen opened up the offense and threw bombs to him the last like four weeks of the season? That's what John Brown can do, but better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh yeah, so, like I said, he he could genuinely be leading the NFL in air yards for the first, uh, through the first few weeks of the season. And then we talked about Frank Gore earlier, so I just picked him up or I just pulled him up real quick. He's only fifteen percent Yahoo and fifteen percent ESPN. He's going to get like the bell cow rolls for a little bit. How aggressive would you be on Frank Gore right now? On Frank Gore, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as I am with Devin Singletary. I think the ceiling just isn't there, but. It, the floor is, I think there's a safe floor, at least for the first couple of weeks, he's going to get goal line work. He's going to dominate early down carries, at least while they, while they ease Devin Singletary into action and find out what they have on him. But no one in that backfield has a high ceiling because they're, they're just not going to get the receiving volume. Like I said earlier, 18% target share for running backs last year, Josh Allen had 21 red zone carries last year. LaShawn McCoy led the team with 22. So there's some red zone work open there, but Josh Allen is not friendly to your fantasy running backs. I, I, I really don't want major exposure to these running backs, but I, I think you could do a little worse than, than Frank Gore. But like if Chris Thompson is out there, I'm taking Chris Thompson every time. Good, good, good comparison there. When people say Cam Newton steal the goal line carries, Josh Allen says, hold my beer. So that, that's pretty much where, pretty much where that one ends. Um, that's all I had. There's, like I said, there's going to be tons of fantasy waiver wire, especially once the action happens. There'll be a, like a laundry list. Are there any guys that stand out to you right now? Or are you good with what, what list we kind of have right now? I like the list we came up with. I think there's one other name I might want to throw out there. And this, this is more of like a, like a week six and beyond kind of thing. I think we need to be interested in Debo Samuel. Oh, I, I don't. Yes. Good call. Another great athletic profile. He he is a guy that could turn into an alpha in that offense. Obviously, opposite George Kittle because George Kittle's the alpha now, but he could be the like the alpha receiver. He could be the yes. target hog for wide receivers. Um, He's twenty percent Yahoo, nineteen percent exactly. ESPN. Um, what about 
Marquise Goodwin. He's going to start opposite Dante Pettis, and he's he's a guy I've been eating up in best ball. I think he's a great week one DFS play at uh, 4K on DraftKings. So. 28% Yahoo, 5% ESPN. Yeah, he should be higher owned than that, given that he's going to be starting week one. Yeah, and I love the Debo. I almost put Debo on there, but apparently I'm in too many sharp leagues because he's not available in any of the leagues I'm in. <laughs> so it just that's why I was like, oh, I just overlooked it thinking. I, I didn't look at the ownerships on this website. I figured, oh, he's pretty much owned everywhere. But uh, I think that Debo is a great call. Marky's good when people forget how explosive he was when he was like the only guy there, like opposite Pierre Garçon. He's still opposite one other guy. So he's going to get a lot of the workload, like you're saying. Super talented, track freak athlete. Like he can extend the field. Jimmy G's back. I'm with you there. That could be a, that could be a fun one, especially for DFS GPP wise. Very good call there. Yeah, I mean, with Marquise Goodwin, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't consider relying on him for more than the first couple of weeks because I really do think Debo Samuel earns himself a role later in the season. But for the first few weeks, he's going to start. He's going to play 80 percent of the snaps. And I would imagine the 49ers are going to be in a decent amount of shootouts, particularly on the road against the Bucks. So he, he's going to play, like I said, he's going to play 80% of the snaps, could easily see seven or eight targets with some of those opportunities being very heavily weighted. So you can do worse. You can do a lot worse than Marquise Goodwin, given that he has such a high ceiling. Yeah. And right now, you know, fantasy pros, I'm not exactly sure what uh, rankings they use, but they show the Niners strength of schedule for their wide receivers is the third easiest in all of football. So take that. I, I don't know how they rank that completely there, but take that into consideration, I guess, as well. But, uh, well, if you don't have anybody else, that should wrap us up this week, Mark. Uh, plug away everything once again so everybody knows where to find you, Facebook, all that good stuff. All right, so there's a couple things I got to say. Um, you're going to be able to find me at thequanedge.com all year long, every Tuesday, snaps and targets report, every Thursday, injury impact report. Also, Check out the Roto Bros podcast with me and my partner, Chris McConnell. Uh, We've got our flagship podcast that we come out with at least one episode a week, sometimes two. Uh, You're also going to be able to find my DFS pod, which is going to be solo. It'll just be the Roto Bro. Um, One more thing. Uh, I'm sorry, two more things. Uh, Check me out on Twitter. Mark Wemkin, M-A-R-K, W-E-M as in Mary, K-E-N as in Nancy. It's exactly how how it sounds. It's spelled exactly how it sounds, so... Uh, you can also find me in FSA, Fantasy Sports Advice and Analysis, on Facebook. We're a private group consisting of over 13,000 members, and all we like to do is talk fantasy sports. I mean, primarily football, but hey, if you're in a fantasy baseball league, fantasy hockey, fantasy basketball, we've got members for you to talk to. We've got people that, you know, will pick your brain and you can pick their brain over what they know. Uh, you'll find a lot of my analysis in there. And uh, I'll share my articles in there. We share the podcast in there. The Roto Bros podcast is the official podcast of FSA. So check us out. Awesome, man. This has been really, really cool getting to talk with you, getting to know you. And we will definitely do this again sooner than later. Uh, this was a blast, Mark. Thanks for joining me, man. Dude, anytime. Uh, I would, I'll, I'll come back literally anytime. I don't have a life outside of my day job. So uh, we'll have yeah, to get you on the Roto Bros as well, man. Yeah, anytime. Like I said, I'll talk sports, football, baseball, whatever, anytime. So Thanks for joining me, man. We'll do this again sometime. And to all your Facebook peeps, enjoy the listen. But um, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 207 with Mark Wimkin, talking some fantasy football week zero, we'll call it, analysis. Catch you guys later. 